observe the breath, the silence, <coughs> coughing, ticking of the clock, the temperature. This is the way it is. This is this moment is this way. Feeling of the body. This way. Now that is a reflection on a moment, this present moment, and the emotional nature is the way it is, but we tend to believe our emotions as being uh, reality. But emotions are conditions of the mind. They're not they're they're not real. Most of our emotions get stuck at an immature level. Where we just think of ourselves all the time. Or we believe our own mind, our own feelings. And so we uh, we get offended and upset and angry and frightened and so forth. They go up and down on the emotional plane. In order to get perspective on that, you have to reflect on it. You have to put it in its in a perspective of seeing it as what arises ceases rather than as what you really feel and think is reality. Like one's emotions can just go on. Sometimes, uh, you can, I don't want to be a nun anymore. I'm fed up. I've had enough. I can't stand it. I want to get out. Let me out. And that's an emotional attack, isn't it? So there's something in us that can observe that know it as something that's going on in the mind, something that's cool and and uh, knowing and intelligent, where the emotions are just like little temper tantrums and it's, uh, I don't like it anymore, I'm fed up, I'm disillusioned, I want to go, I, I'm me and mine and I'm disappointed and I can't do it and all this kind of business. So that our refuge is in the in the position of knowing that as a condition, rather than in the the emotion following the emotion, where you become that way, you become a person like that. You become a person that can't stand things, that that gets fed up and can't do anything. You become like that by attaching to those feelings. That's the rebirth. You become that kind of a person. In the Sangha, you know, you sometimes some of you think that we want you to stay in the Sangha and that we're trying to keep you and uh, in the Sangha, which is not the case. The uh, Sangha is here uh, to develop the practice uh, for liberation. But we try to encourage you to, to practice while you're here.
but something in you will always start maybe blaming he, Ajahn Sumedha won't let me go or, or then, then when you you start criticizing you see oh the nuns and all oh, the monks and and this kind of uh, whinging complaining is emotion it's Vedana Sanya Sankara it's Papancha it's conceptual proliferation Remember one nun we had, she left, but she, she used to always want to run away. So, so many times she started running away and then she, she talked to me and I convinced her to stay. And uh, I think after a while I got tired of all this. I said, well, go. If you want to go, go. It's all right. She said, oh, now I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> but wanting to run away and wanting attention from the monks and wanting 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 a big daddy or a mummy to sort out your problems or wanting somebody to pay attention to you wanting to be appreciated these are emotional states that we need to really watch not not follow Go ahead and blame me if you want, but look at that tendency to blame. If you if you want to blame me for things and and criticize me, that's quite all right. As long as, and what I encourage you is to really look at that and try to put it in its proper perspective. Or you you blame the other nuns or the monks, whatever. Go ahead and do it, but but really use that that tendency of your mind to go around blaming, criticizing fault-finding, uh, as, see that as an opportunity to observe this, this something in us that is really quite unpleasant in all of us, isn't there? In all of us here, there's these, this kind of immaturity that can rise up. And if you believe it, then you're always going to be that way. You're always going to until you die, you're just going to be someone who complains and moans and blames, and it's going to make your life you're going to make your life miserable, and the people around you. It's very unpleasant to have to live with with people who blame and complain. Now, in uh, talking to a mona- on a monastic retreat, lay people might feel that we are, you know, praising the monastic life and putting down the the lay life, because I mean, recognize that we are samanas. This is we've chosen. We we love this way of life. At least I do. I really like being a monk and. I've learned a lot from it and I appreciate it. So I can't very well go honestly say that I think lay life is just as good. I can't honestly say that. And even though sometimes I, I try to say that for you so you don't feel you have to, that your life is, is uh, somehow, uh, you know, trying to support you in your endeavors to practice. You've got to recognize that if I... That, that I don't feel lay life is is as good a way to live as the monastic life. That's that's the way I feel. That doesn't mean that one can't practice in the lay life. The way I feel and my own personal response to to life has been this way. So you have to put that into into its proper perspective. It's not. I'm, I, you know, one is a reflective. I've developed a reflecting mind, not a doctrinal position. 
I'm not making categorical imperatives. And it's, uh, I'm not uh, saying that everyone should become a monk or a nun either. I don't talk like that. I, I reflect on the result of living this life from my own experience. So put that in its proper perspective. And don't, don't try to put me in a perspective of an authority who is uh, speaking from the high seat and telling you what you should all be doing. So we we have our lay life and all the, the peace movements, the social activists, the, these different uh, ways of the different causes and groups. Uh, if one is if one is involved in those particular things, then one can also use those conditions for reflection. Like in the peace movement, it's not, I mean, a peace activist that doesn't reflect on what they're doing is becomes uh, is really not very peaceful person. And then just to be for peace can be a very kind of disruptive and uh, aggressive position to take. Shove peace down your throat. So that, that, uh, but reflecting on your, one's own, uh, say, attachments and views about peace and, and uh, one's own self-interest and, and uh, the, the lack of peace within oneself allows you more and more to realize peace. But before you can, before there can be any real peace, you have to realize it within yourself. Not by tranquilizing your mind, but by understanding and getting beyond just these trivial reactions or emotional states that are not peaceful. You know, in seniority in the song itself, is that like as it brings up uh, all kinds of feelings, as the nuns have get some seniority, then they certain kind of uh, emotional reactions are going to come from the identity with seniority. With with being with being Siladarad rather than Bhikkhunis, with having the eight Garudamas in relationship to the Bhikkhu Sangha. These are these are can be used for reflection or they can be used just for emotional reactions. It's up to you how you want to use them.
because, as I've pointed out many times, all I'm interested in is enlightenment. I'm not interested in, in making everything the way you'd like it to be, or even the way it should be as a, from a Western conditioned mind. Recognize that this is a this is a tradition. Traditions are like this. This is a tradition that the Buddha established. It's like this. Uh, it's uh, it's for reflection and for a contemplation. It's not an end in itself. So senior nuns having to bow to junior monks and things like this, it can be feel very unfair. But remember, you are ten precept nuns. You're not bhikkhunis. So I'm just to emphasize your to to for you to really accept that as a part of the tradition that's here, and to uh, be able to use that for reflection, not to ignore it, not to defend it, not to justify it or condemn it, but just recognize. What, what happens because you see all kinds of conceit coming up in your mind or confusion or resentments because on the level of hierarchy and status uh, our pride is very much, much dependent very much influenced on those levels but when we, when we recognize our moral foundation our moral rights these are the important ones you get you have the moral rights and the teaching the practice some of you will use it some of you will will just be uh, will refuse to look at it, will refuse to come to terms with conceit. Mm-hmm. The tradition is is a it's an old tradition, so this is what we have. We we have left of it like this. And I and I've mentioned many times how I want to keep it like this. I want because it is it has its own it, because it is a pure tradition, and therefore I don't want to 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 uh, tamper with it, to bend it to modern views and but to be able to use it as a tool for reflection. As far as, uh, as a religious tool, it's a very excellent one. It gives you the moral, it's an emphasis on a moral, moral rights, moral duties. There's nothing unequal uh, on the moral plane, say, between the monks and the nuns. The moral obligation, moral foundation is the same. The practice is the same. But on the level of hierarchical structure, the way it's set up is the way the way it is. The bhikkhu, based on seniority, the bhikkhu sangha was or were, were the first, the bhikkhuni second. The ten precepts are are junior to the to both the bhikkhu and bhikkhuni. The eight precepts are are junior, lower in the hierarchy, to the ten precepts, the bhikkhuni and the bhikkhu, the five precepts. This is just the structure. It's no judgment on, on any individual or on men or women as such. It's just the way it happened. It's the, the way the tradition develops. Then this gives us a chance to look at our egalitarian conditioning. Like it's not there that it should be based on personal uh, abilities rather than on uh, seniorities and relationships of gender and monks 
the nuns and so forth. It, the, the, the egalitarian mind resists, uh, doesn't 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 like hierarchical structure. But hierarchy has its place in our lives also. There's hierarchy. There's room for hierarchy and egalitarian equality. And it takes wisdom to know when it's appropriate, when it's not. Hierarchy is the way of nature, isn't it? When you have conditioned nature, it's hierarchical. It's just a natural uh, thing. You can't, you can't, uh, an ideal, can we can have an ideal of equality, all conditions being equal, but as an actual experience, they're all different. It's just the way it is. So, with a reflecting mind, we, we, we can appreciate hierarchy without feeling uh, identified with, any, with, the, with, the, with the position we have. Remember, the obstacle to enlightenment is conceit and pride, not... not uh, being a lay person, or being a nun, or a monk, or anything, or being junior, those aren't obstacles to enlightenment. The, the obstacle to enlightenment is a vicha, ignorance of the Dhamma, and the conceit and pride that come from that. From my conditioned mind, if I, if you'd asked me to arrange the conventions, it would have been different. I would have done it differently than the Buddha, from my conditioning. Not from wisdom, but from conditioning. But the reason why I respect the tradition that I'm in is because it isn't, uh, it's, it gives me a perspective, it gives me a chance to really see what conditioning is. And get perspective on, on my conditioned mind, on my American conditioning, and the, the, the way my mind tends to work, and think, and emotional reactions to things. Because the tradition uh, is uh, is something that that has nothing to do with with um, with my uh, views or opinions. So contemplate is the what how what ideas are ideals. I've been doing this in the morning. What, how we think things should be an idea of perfection and order and fairness and justice. That's an idea. Be aware of what emotions are like, of what our reaction emotional reactions are to to the to the way things are. And that, that ability to observe and reflect on the function of ideas, we, we, can, we can see our attachment to our ideas and how when we're attached to ideas, we suffer. Ideas about yourself, ideas about 
the Sangha, ideas about Buddhism or whatever, is when you attach to ideas out of ignorance, out of avicca, then there's going to be inevitable suffering. The Soka Paritegla Tuka Tomanasa Upayasa. In the Paticca Samampada, remember the Avicca Bhajaya Sankhara. Avicca starts it off not knowing the truth, not having examined, looked at, and realized truths. Then everything we tend to do is affected by that ignorance. Sitting, standing, walking, lying down, breathing, uh, relationships, and everything is affected by that ignorance. So there's that the result of that is soka parite watuka tomanasa upayasa, grief, sorrow, despair, and anguish. That as long as there's a vicha, there's going to be soka parite despair and anguish. A vicha, you just cut out the rest of the middle of the rest of Paticca Samapada and the Avicca conditions Soka Parite Vatuka Tomanasa Upayasa do that. Where Vicca or knowledge and understanding, right understanding of Dhamma, the result is what? Liberation, freedom from suffering non-suffering, no self, no, no conceit or pride, no delusion, no grasping. Viraga niroda nibbana, alopa adosa mohat. So vicha is, is the knowing and understanding in the right way. This is, this is, uh, this is what we can actually the human, the human gift, the perfection of the human state is in that realization through vicha, through, through understanding things in the right way, knowing the truth. That is the way out of suffering. We are going to be ground down by life. If we suffer, if you're suffering here, it's because you need to suffer. You have to, you have to be, you know, the hard edges have to be ground away. And if you're suffering, it's because of pride and conceit of each other. Because when the, those are gone, there's no suffering. When you go to California, there's this American mind tends to want to improve things. You see Americans coming to England and they tend to always, uh, the American mind will always be comparing everything here with American things. America is bigger and everything's usually better and bigger in America. And so that, uh, the, and we, we, we have a kind of conceit that somehow in America we do things better than everyone else. It's a conditioning, a cultural conditioning. In America, in Buddhism in America, you, you oftentimes hear that 
Americans are going to make Buddhism better. American women in the Vipassana movement are making Buddhism better. A kind of arrogant book published on how American women are improving Buddhism. And these kind of statements come from a, uh, a, a kind of cultural conceit and idealism not a matter of better, is it? We're not, we're not trying to make Buddhism better. We're trying to use the Buddhist teachings for understanding the way things are. And sometimes the way it is is better, and sometimes it's worse. We're not, we're not, we're not trying to use better as our goal, or as a, as an obligation that we have to fulfill to make everything better. That's not what we're here for. We're not here to make Buddhism better or to make it popular, or to make it agreeable to everyone. That's not our purpose. It's not the aim of the holy life. The aim of the holy life is to understand the truth, to know the truth. So whether it, Buddhism uh, in, in America is better than Buddhism in Thailand or whatever, I don't really care. I'm not interested in better Buddhism, but in a wise use of the Buddhist teachings. And that's ability to use the, the way you are, the situation you're in, for reflection, contemplation. So listen to that in your mind that wants that, 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 that kind of bawa dunha problem of wanting to make everything better. Progress. America is a country that believes, worships progress and development. And this is, everything is going to get better and better. And uh, this is we're going to we're going to make everything bigger and better progress. And this illusion now, we can't help but feel cynical when we hear this, when the kind of cynical reaction comes up and progress, you know, the pollution, look at the, this is progress, <coughs> development. We, we think of the kind of arrogance of, uh, uh, that we've had toward the third world, where they're the underdeveloped or undeveloped countries and we're the developed ones. And the sense of development as being the the kind of most important issue of human experience is development. So the human heart, when there's avicca, then even our tendencies to make things better and develop lead to soka paritewa tuka tomanasa. Just like material development <coughs> taken as an end in itself without wisdom, without vicha, leads to pollution and destruction of the environment. <coughs> oh, by the way, they're bombing Baghdad now. They started at midnight. So that they is the uh, blasting away? This is this is development and progress. As a result of avijja, the result of not understanding dhamma. Sometimes you hear 
you know, people complaining about this person or that monk or that nun or Anagarika and, and uh, things not being what they want and how it should be and and uh, they and they how you know Buddhists should be peaceful and loving and compassionate and but this this monk is not very has not been very compassionate to me and that nun hasn't really been very compassionate to me uh, but they should be they should be Buddhists should be compassionate and and full of metta and but these some of these people here aren't. And when you when you really look at that that kind of uh, complaining, it's it's uh, of course it's a real wimpy kind of person, isn't it? To, uh, to be one who believes that that uh, that we should be uh, something that they approve of, or that Amravati or Chitters and that should fit into their conception of of what they want, rather than being able to reflect on their own views and opinions in regards to these places. As I say, the reflection here in Amravati is not that it is the best monastery in the world, or, or that it's everything that uh, fits everyone's idea of, of what a monastery should be, but it is a place where there is uh, the four requisites are adequate. The Vinaya is respected and Dhamma is taught. The perfect place. From that reflection, you get you have a roof over your head for one night. Every night, don't we have a roof over our head? There's so many roofs here. Amravati is so many roofs. So, so this is given to us. Just uh, we have so many roofs to choose from. Made available to us for one night. One night alone. Don't think of it as a lifetime. I want. I want a little. Uh, I want to buy a little one of the roofs here for my personal kuti, so that I can have it and make sure that I have it when I get old. That's not the, the attitude of a samana. It is a roof for one night, a meal. We get we get this porridge. Look at this porridge. It's just an extra gift offered to us by the anagarikas or the lay people. Not that they should do it. That it's their duty to make porridge for us. If, if you think that, that you should have porridge and that they should make porridge for you, then contemplate that as a, as, as a, as a view to let go of. That, uh, that porridge is your right. Because just uh, the alms food offered one meal a day is, 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 our ref- is our point of reflection. But we don't even say, you have to give me one meal a day. We accept. The attitude is accepting what is offered, not demanding one meal a day. But in Amravati, you do get one meal a day at least. So I mean, you get porridge too. So these are this is as far as uh, shelter, food, robes, medicine. It's adequate. The Vinaya. Is respect, we try to train under the Vinaya discipline and the teach and practice the Dhamma. Then, when you when you made that clear in your mind, you you reflected in that way. You said, "This is this is this is necessary. These are the necessary things for practice, for requisites Dhamma Vinaya." Then you can. Watch your complaining mind. You can, you can uh, observe the, the, the your own emotional reactions to it. Your your emotional ups and downs, and frictions, and loves and hates, and and this in 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 the daily life that you live here. 
So you need to establish something to work from. We're not just being idealistic, saying you should never complain about anything and you should just be grateful all the time and you should be, uh, you know, any place is a place for enlightenment and not to expect anything. And these are ideals. But we're, we're working from, from reflecting on requisites, what you have to have to survive as a, as a human being on the basic level, the base, most basic level. We start on the lowest level. So the requisites are, the reflective point of the requisites always on the fact that the rag robes, alms food, uh, foot of a tree, fermented urine for medicine. So there's a, the very basic, most, most uh, poverty-stricken requisites. That doesn't mean that, that we have to have those, only those requisites. That's being idealistic. I can only have a robe that I've made out of rags that I find in the rubbish bin. And I can only eat the food that I go walk down St. Margaret's Lane, Great Gadsden, and if they don't give me any food, then I, I, won't, I won't eat anything. And uh, I'll only have fermented urine. I won't bother with any of the other uh, options for medical treatment. And I'll only live at the foot of a tree. No, I won't. I won't live under a roof. Then uh, that's being idealistic again and silly. Because you're, you're just saying, "I'm going to, I'm going to live by this this high this this, this low standard." Is actually a high standard, isn't it? So. The kind of deter the uh, you know the the beatnik that is proud of the fact that he doesn't take baths and hates the white middle class because they do is another form of arrogance. <laughs> we we used to call it the 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 dirty blue jean complex that you're you're proud that you wear dirty blue jeans and not a a Brooks Brothers suit. So, I mean, arrogance can can uh, be of the Uriah Heap level. I'm, I'm, I'm more humble than you are type of thing. Or it can be this kind of strident, arrogant view that I'm the best, I'm better than everyone else. So we, we allow for it. I mean, people offer better requisites than that. They give us nice textiles to make robes with and very nice food. And this is all acceptable. This is no, nothing wrong. There's nothing like we're betraying a strict tradition and that this is going to cause degeneration. Because that's another ideal, that, that strictness is good in itself. But reflection, is the Buddha, if you notice in the Admonition is that he states the the requisite, the rag robes, Bangsakula Shivarani, and then he says, but he says, uh, then these are allowable: cotton, silk, uh, wool, and and so forth. That, that if uh, that if nice textiles are given, these are uh, these can be used. So it wasn't like the Jains or the these, these more strict uh, ascetic groups, where like Jains wouldn't even let let them wear robes. They couldn't even wear robes. So it was very idealistic, very ascetic. Where the Buddha was was obviously saw the the flaw in that kind of thinking, the attachment to asceticism uh, blinds one to seeing clearly the purest mind or the idealist that wants to make everything better. Now when we live here at we can see things change. There's natural rhythms that we sometimes it's better than at other times. 
sometimes it everything is much nicer here than at other times. Sometimes things the it go down. It's not so nice. Other times it kind of goes up. And it's very nice. And other time it's neither particularly very nice or very not nice. It's just not we're not uh, we can't we're not it doesn't fluctuate all that much. It's just ordinary. But if we're attached to the good times, <coughs> then we can only feel angry or threatened by the bad times. But the reflective mind is regards good and bad times as equal. It's a way of no preferences, non-alignment. Bad times are bad times. This way. But there's, there's no suffering in bad times if you're mindfulness. Good times are good times. So here, you know, in the retreat, reflect on this and and uh, play the game by the rules. If you don't want to play by the rules, then, then you should go. You should find a game that you like better than this one, or is more suitable for your to fit you what you want. But but uh, say this. This is a development of wisdom in which you're you're not trying to to make up the best game and improve all the rules, but to learn how to to use the, this this particular convention the way it is for understanding. Because that's the the aim of this convention alone. This convention uh, that the Buddha established, its whole aim and purpose is for enlightenment. It's not for fairness or happiness in the world or for, for uh, humanistic idealism or for anything like that. It's not, it's, a, it's not aimed at any worldly goal. It's not, not, he didn't establish the Sangha, the Samana Sangha, as, as just for kind of fulfilling everybody's worldly desires. It, its only purpose, really, its sole aim is for realization of truth, enlightenment. So when you start doubting that and start resenting and criticizing, and well, that, then realize that that is your, that's coming from your mind. You're creating that. You say, did you did you have a meal today? Did you have a roof over the head for one night. You, you, the attitude is one of gratitude. Thank you for the. As a roof over my head for one night, rather than I'm senior and nobody and the monks are junior monks are still get more respect than I do kind of thing is is a whinging mind. Uh, it doesn't matter whether junior monks get more respect than senior nuns. It's, that's not that's not what we're here for to to get respect, but to use those situations to observe what the, the, in the level of immature emotion we, we still can get deluded by. Who cares if senior monks, senior nuns, junior? These are, these are not to be, these are not important. These aren't the, these are nothing worth uh, making problems about. Who's paying? Who gets more respect? And only silly people want want to be respected. The only way you can get be respected is by being worthy. So being senior, if people respect you only because you're senior, that's a very empty form of respect. So don't be deluded by thinking that because one is a senior position that one deserves to be respected for it. That's 
that condition, that attitude makes you unworthy of respect, makes it impossible to respect you. How could you respect me if I was demanding that you respect me? Isn't it? So this made it impossible for you re- to respect me. If I should announce right now, I'm the senior bhikkhu here, and you've got to respect that. You have to respect me. I've just made it impossible for you to do so. (laughs) It's not your fault, it's mine. And I've made it, because I can't respect people like that myself. Somebody says, you have to respect me, makes... You can't respect people that want want you to respect them. (coughs) Or think they should be respected merely for some... out of their egos and ignorance. So don't worry about being respected. Be grateful for the meal offered. Develop gratitude rather than develop that sense of gadanyu rather than this sense of uh, I've been in the Sangha longer than you have or I'm senior to you or I'm a teacher and you aren't or uh, these kind of of, uh, things are not worthy of respect. Not, and if we can't, I mean, we can't help sometimes feeling that way. I mean, I've certainly had feelings of being offended and felt that I wasn't being properly respected. I've certainly felt that. I know what it is. Go some other place, go to another, go to uh, Ajahn Mahabur's place in uh, Thailand. They never respect me properly there. And uh, go to other uh, places, and they'll they'll uh, they don't realize I'm Ajahn Sumato. Here's <laughs> 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 <is> who I am. <laughs> I mean, it's not that that these thoughts never come into my mind. But I'm determined not to uh, believe them, or, or I don't want to be somebody like that. I don't want to be, uh, you know, Ajahn Sumato or somebody that everyone should respect and that gets offended when, when I don't get all the respect that I think I deserve. I mean, I don't want to be that, that kind of a being. I'm not in this life to, for status. So in uh, in in the in our life experience, when we are dis- when when people do are rude to us, it's always a very good for us, <coughs> very good for us if we feel offended or angry about being not getting the respect that we think we should. It's really good for us because if we still are offended and upset by it, that means that that's a very weak place. That's our Achilles' heel. That's the point where we're going to be done in, where the arrow is going to, to be able to enter the body and, and the poison will enter our mind. So that the, the Sangha itself set up on this, this, uh, this reflective, developing a reflective mind, a very humble requisite on the respect for the Vinaya and the teaching of Dhamma. Then just the, the, the reflect on the, on say, the alms food, the offering, say, of the gruel in the morning, as something to, to develop gadanyu or gra- gratitude. People have got up early to prepare this as an offering to the Sangha rather than just sit there and, and uh, not notice or to complain about it if it's not particularly what you like. Or the food offered to, uh, to really develop that sense of alms food. These people have come to offer alms food. These, on the Sunday, when the, the, uh, other people come in and 
with all their families and children. These people have come to offer food to the Sangha. This is a beautiful gesture, sense of gratitude. Katanyu develops in the heart. Katanyu, Gatavaiti, is, is, is where the heart opens up. It's joyful to be grateful. To think that people should respect you is, is miserable. That state of mind is utter misery. You should, re- you have to respect me is a really awful uh, feeling in the mind, isn't it? At least to me it is. When I think like that, I, I feel nasty, mean-hearted. It's soka parite what took a tomana. But we, we have these, this is our human problem, is conceit. And uh, I certainly had to work a lot with conceit, my own conceit and, and uh, pride. And so this is, it's not, it's, a, it's, it's an ongoing awareness you have to develop. Otherwise you easily fall back into, into conceit and pride again. I'm not mindful, I'm not really determined to reflect on it, I, it's easy just to drift right back into being a proud and conceited person. You see your robe, all the People, people that have given this this cloth, this material, these jumpers, these woolly socks, these woolly hats that people crochet and knit for us. Just think, these all these people were sending from Thailand. We get bags of knitted and crocheted hats. Okay, Thai ladies sit there and they, they think, Ajahn Sumedho in England, his ears will get cold, and the monks and nuns. In England during the winter, get cold, and we've got to make these. They make these nice little woolly hats for people they don't even know very well. You get a lot of these from people I've never, I've never even met. They just heard about it. So you think of the goodness of that gesture, of that of just somebody in Thailand who's probably never even been to England and just heard about it and wants to keep our heads warm for the winter. Wants to keep my head warm for the winter. You think when you think of that, that thoughtfulness, then you feel great gadanyu, uh, gratitude. The roof over the head. The English Sangha Trust and the people, all the people that make donations every month. Uh, people like the Thai people in California who send monthly, do- substantial monthly donations, and they've done it for years. Who've never even been here. Thai people living in California send monthly donations so that that we can have a roof over our head. The people here in, in Britain and many other places are always sending in like like money orders or or uh, these uh, standing orders. So that we have a roof over our head, robes to wear, food to eat, medicine for illness. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of in a, in a life where, where people respect what we're doing. But don't have to be respected as a person. Our personalities, our positions, you know, that is, uh, that's not where it's at. It's not enlightenment. 